You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is from an earlier interview with Monica Eaton Cardone, the COO at Chargebacks 911. Welcome to Diverse IT on ITSP Magazine, a podcast where you'll find a wide variety of IT and InfoSec professionals sharing their experience, knowledge, and most importantly, inspiration to help truly advance diversity in cybersecurity and technology. Today, I'll be chatting with Monica Eaton Cardone, CIO of Global Risk Technologies, a provider of exclusive and innovative chargeback remediation solutions, COO of Chargebacks 911, and founder of the nonprofit organization Get Paid for Grades. So welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about all this good stuff. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about who you are and and your background? Sure. Um, So I have, like many women in technology, a bit of an unconventional accidental path um, where I stumbled into technology because of necessity. Um, But bottom line, I I ended up, I have worked in behavioral analytics, um, always been interested in what technology can do, and that led me to become a merchant online. And after struggling to handle this little problem called chargeback, finally developed some technology around that. And that led me to find that, you know what, there was, that was a, a huge opportunity. There was definitely a gap in the market. And that's where I am today. So today we Chargebacks 911, we do business with merchants and banks. We work in the fintech space and we operate in what about 62 countries at this point. So it's been an exciting journey so far. It sounds like it. And I'm really interested actually in what you said that you stumbled into tech because I think that that probably is unusual. And what do you exactly mean by that? How did you stumble into it? Uh, well, you know, um, I started out, I actually, I was always, um, I took some computer programming classes as, as a teenager. Um, and, and it definitely was not intentional. Um, like many teenage girls, if I could have chosen between, you know, fashion design or home ec versus, you know, computer programming with the garage band guys, I would have absolutely (laughs) steered away in another direction. Um, but it, chances were, uh, my, my family moved around often. And so I ended up coming into a school where there was just not any of the more traditional electives available. And, you know, it was one of the pivotal points in my life because I recognized, you know, I sort of have this aptitude for technology and it's something that's creative. It's fun. It's artistic. Um, and at that point I thought, okay, well, this is probably, you know, my, my love affair with technology is probably going to get over because now I'm an adult and, you know, I'm more interested in uh, architecture and art. And lo and behold, I get into a business environment and find 
that technology serves to answer a whole bunch of problems that we're dealing with. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's the type of, um, of industry or, or area, I think that you can just sink your teeth into. It's constantly changing. It's always exciting. Um, and most importantly, it gives you so many tools for solutions, just reorganizing or creating new languages, finding different ways um, that, that you can solve a, a similar type of problem. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't by design. Um, it wasn't by intention. I didn't go to school um, to become a computer programmer. Um, it was it was really out of necessity. Well, I love it. It almost seems like it was fated in a way that that somehow the university yeah. you would need that <laughs> later on. And yes, well, exactly right. <laughs> I can imagine that it, that class would have been made up primarily of boys. Is that right? I was the only girl. Yes. Wow. Was that yes, difficult? I, I was the only girl. You know, um, I think it was typical. Uh, it, it, it was typical at the time and it was difficult. Um, you know, for me, I, I was, I was more interested in, you know, how, how I could learn new makeup techniques <laughs> or <laughs> I, I mean, probably like most teenagers. Um, but you know what I found pretty early on is that, and I had never been interested in math prior to this class. So actually taking this class, um, I also started to develop a passion for math because for the first time now I saw, you know, this is actually a reason why I have learned about equations and formulas in math because look at what I can construct having a good foundation. And it, it kind of, it dovetails into so many different areas. You, you discover that with a foundation of math and, and science, now you can use that same thought process to construct things that are creative, that have design elements. And I built this little program. I was so proud of it. Um, you know, and it, it was, I, I have to say, it was the most beautifully designed program in the class. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, these are things that I don't think that women see often enough. They don't, they can't identify. Um, and they're missing the components to see, you know what, when you talk about technology or you talk about a, a career in STEM, this is a creative career. This is an artistic career. If you like interior design, you're probably going to find that you have an aptitude in technology because it's, it's about, you know, becoming familiar with the elements that you're working with, reorganizing those, figuring out what fits, and, and really learning that new language to solve different problems. I love it. I love it. Your, your explanation was like really great. In fact, I almost wish that, that I'd stumbled into a computer programming class because I think <laughs> if I had, for some reason, that was the only elective that I could have taken and I found myself in that class, knowing me as a teenage girl, I probably would have done everything I could to get out of it. So I, I really love the fact that you, you stayed in it and you weren't overwhelmed by it based on a uh, previous lack of interest and the fact that you were the only girl. I, I think that's pretty amazing and also probably fairly atypical. Yeah, well, I probably, I, I probably was a little bit competitive as well. So I'm sure that having a setting where it was like, okay, you know what, now I, I can't actually fail. <laughs> I'm going to have to prove myself at some point. <laughs> I was probably working 
you know, as usually those, those traits work against you as a teenager, that one thing, like I need to prove everyone wrong here, um, <laughs> was probably an asset in that class. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're hilarious. Um, so, so let's talk about the stats for a second. We're all aware of them. We've heard them over and over and over again. Some of them are just, you know, women make up just 25% of computer, math, and engineering occupations, 14% uh, of the cybersecurity industry. And yet people like Ada Lovelace, Grace Hopper, Margaret Hamilton, Hedy Lamar, even Katherine Johnson and on and on were actually pioneers of the tech industry from like the 1800s all the way up to maybe the 60s or, or 70s, perhaps even into the early 80s. So there's actually two questions here. One is, what the hell happened to remove all these women from the history books and force us to create initiatives to put them back in the books? I mean, I know that's a huge question, but do you have a sense of why that huge dip and now we're having to put ourselves back up where we were years and years ago? Yeah, you know yeah, what, that, that's a great that's question. And I, I, I think the answer has a lot to do with um, how, how much our kind of our, our life is infused with tradition. You know, it's, um, and in fact, I have to give you, okay, this is one of my favorite quotes by Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the epitome of most women. Like we think this way. Um, and I mean, this is, it's phenomenal that he says this. He said, you know, one of the secrets to his success is uh, he said, look, as you can accomplish anything you want, as long as you're not willing to take credit for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, when, but what I think, you know, most women and myself included, um, when it comes to, you know, taking, we, I think just tradition and, and maybe the gene pool overall, but we have a tendency to be a little bit more, um, you know, service sided or looking at, hey, you know, as long as everybody is getting along, that's great. As, as long as I get the goal accomplished, that's what's important. And, you know, there's, there's probably, maybe it's, it's, it's just that, you know, the, the family component um, that comes into play after so many eons of, of tradition. Um, but, you know, with that type of, with that frame of mind, then it would be, it, it's very easy to get kind of picked over and have someone else stand up and take credit, even if they maybe didn't do very much. And at the back, then you think, okay, well, I still feel confident because what's important is the greater good. And the greater good is that, you know, we accomplished this task. Okay, well, you know, if you don't stand up for yourself, you're probably not going to get the promotion. You're going to watch right. people get the promotion that did stand up and say that it was them. Now, you know that it wasn't them. And if you're satisfied, then living in the back, then logic would suggest that's just going to continue happening. Yes, we can get a lot done that way, um, but you know you're you're we're losing ground because we don't have enough role models, like you said, that that are staying in those history books and making sure that they don't get out. Absolutely, and and very well said. And I like that that distinction because on the one hand, there are things that companies and and perhaps even society can and should be doing. But also the other part of that equation is the very people, women and also minorities in this industry, there are things that we can and should be doing as well. And I like the distinction. It's not one or the other. It's not just a victim mentality um, versus perpetrator uh, mentality. 
And second, the second part to this question, so you, you've said that you see promising signs that Generation Z, which is the generation after the millennials, um, that they'll expand the presence of women in technology. So what are some of these signs that you're seeing? Well, I think, I think one sign for any of us that have kids, if we, if we look at our son versus our daughter, our daughter has you know, that aptitude with the cell phone that is just absolutely uncanny. Social media is right there at her fingertips. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think um, uh, Jack Maul said it best, you know, men are, are what did he say? Uh, oh, men are more interested in coding. Women make an environment cozy. Now, when you have a cozy environment, then it, it expands and it expands naturally and organically. Um, so I think when we take a look at this Generation Z, there's, there's a lot of technology and innovation just around social media, around the networking component. And more and more buyers are turning into sellers. And when that happens, you start to create an entrepreneurial type of mentality. Um, th this is what's happening with, with a lot of women. You know, it's, it's, it's no longer required for you to, to sell something or become an entrepreneur to go join a company or set up a business or go to an office. You can do it from your house. And, and if, you can, if you have the ability to create this environment, and then you have the ability to sell. Now, what's the missing component? If you just had some technology to glue everything together and then make sure that you're agile and you can continue to adjust with the, with the changing times, you've had it made. So I think more and more, you know, with, this, with the younger generations, they, they're exposed to more technology they're recognizing that they already have an aptitude for this, which to your point, you know, if it, I, I would almost guarantee if every woman, if every teenage woman was required to take a p computer programming class, miraculously, all of our diversity problems would be solved <laughs> because we would find that all these women would start to realize, oh my gosh, actually, I like this stuff, but I just was never exposed to it. And now I realize I kind of had a knack. Um, you know, that we're, we're exposing that technology at a much younger age, and that's what it's going to take. That is a great point, too, because I think so many women, or just people in general, perhaps, when I think computer programming, not so much anymore, but certainly before, I would think math and science, which are things that I, I was never really interested in. But, of course, there are so many different ways that you could take that you could learn something about coding or or even sort of a math side or or even um as you mentioned before like interior design like there there are so many more options that i think that are just not generally known to people outside of the industry and it would actually be great and i'm sure that we're heading this way to have basic computer programming classes in school, in elementary and high school, and not as an elective, but as something that you're required to take, you know, a certain amount of uh, classes or so. Because I think that absolutely you're right. That would just open the doors and people could see that there are so many options within, within that field. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's like, you know, I always say, it's like learning to play the piano. You would never know that you could that you had talent as a piano player if you never sat down at one and tried. And then you had to have lessons. <laughs> now, some people will, will walk away, but other people will say, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that my parents pushed me into doing something that I initially did not want, I hated, 
but then they they actually find this talent that that is inside of them and I think when it comes to technology there's really no difference this is just it's just another field and it's a different field um, and traditionally it hasn't been it hasn't been marketed well to to women to create enough diversity the nice thing about this new generation is that you know technology is absolutely fluid in every environment now <laughs> between between buyers and sellers and social media you know the way that the world is advancing that that technology is right at people's fingertips and so i think you know getting people infused with that at a young age they're they're going to start to take the next steps themselves so a recent GE report, General Electric, has stated that unfilled jobs, uh, excuse me, unfilled tech jobs are holding back the growth of key industries and slowing economic development. And of course, we've all heard about the two million or so computing and engineering positions that need to be filled over the next five to 10 years or so. So I've been reading a lot of articles lately that are saying, hey, we've got this innovative new idea. Maybe we should aim the pipeline at the other half of the population. <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> so to address this, so GE has pledged a goal of having 20,000 women in STEM roles throughout the company by 2020. Um, Oracle has pledged $3 million to educate girls in STEM fields through the uh, government program, Let Girls Learn. Google has pledged, you know, $50 million investment to teach young girls to code. And so you have pledged to hire more women in technology roles at your companies and specifically to have at least 25% of the tech workforce within the next 10 years be women. So how do you, how do you plan to do this? This is, well, I think it, it starts with, it's definitely, um, it's, a, it's a team effort. You know, if we take a look at just society as a whole, I think there, there's been enough, um, you know enough people beating this drum that we're starting to get the idea and what is what will be effective is not just a top-down approach if somebody told me hey you know what you need to hire your tech team needs to be 25 percent women tomorrow i say you know what sorry that is impossible it's, it's impossible because we don't get enough resumes if i hire every single woman that comes through the door they're not even as qualified it's not a fair proposition and to your point you know, we can't be victimizing. <laughs> so mm. we really, we need to make sure that we're making rational, smart decisions, that there just is not enough, uh, enough women in this arena. Now, if we add the bottom-up approach, which is, you know, exposing girls at a, at a young age, hopefully getting to the point where we start to require certain, um, you know, exposure to technologies. I mean, this is what is done in China. And if we look at the diversity, you know, it's, it's almost the reverse. They're like 50-50 compared to us. So, you know, I, I think we're definitely going down the right road. And that will be something that, that, that our company will take advantage of to start the recruiting mission at a much younger age. Um, the nice thing about technology is once you get, you know, the basics, then like you said, you know, there's so many different avenues to expand. And if you have the right foundation, things change so quickly um, that, you know, a, really there's not a huge advantage that someone in their 40s who's been studying to, to program their entire life has over a guy that is 23 years old. Because things change so rapidly that they're, they're learning new languages, they're establishing new ways of doing things. 
so the opportunity for women at a young age to, to skyrocket and get up to speed quickly is very real. Um, so I don't think that getting to a point where, you know, we're at that 25% mark is, is unrealistic. Um, I'm, I'm very optimistic that that will actually be an easier target to hit um, as the years progress and we continue on the same mission. That's a good point about the recruiting because never mind the, the actual hiring of and the training and, and the maintaining of the diverse talent, but it comes down to recruiting. And a lot of companies have said we would love to recruit more uh, or hire more diverse talent, but we, we send out you know, recruiters and job um, descriptions and all that kind of stuff. And we're just not getting very many women or even minorities. And, and I hear that kind of thing. And I think, well, you're probably trying to recruit diverse talent from the same generally young white male um, say websites or job boards or or however they're recruiting you know that they actually have to go somewhere else to find talent that's going to be different and do you have any ideas about that i mean it seems in in general it seems like a pretty simple concept but would you recruit <laughs> younger like in in schools colleges maybe even you know 12th graders or or would you go to like all girls schools and, and, and recruit there? Like how, how do we actually open up the recruiting process to find more diverse talent? Man, I, I will say I, I, I would, I, I would tie in for any type of advice on this. As a business owner, I would say, man, this is one of the most challenging missions <laughs> because you, you, you try to recruit, you think that you're under or, you know, tipping every single stone and looking underneath it and you can't find people. And then all of a sudden you have someone, a rock star individual that comes out of nowhere and you think, oh my gosh, how did you find us? <laughs> so I think, I, I think some of the recruiting really is most effective if it's, if it's out of the box thinking. Instead of, you know, going to your traditional recruiters or advertising on all of these different websites, um, look at things that, that may attract um, somebody who is someone who's, who's up to date, they're agile, um, they're female, they're, they're looking like, what are their interests? What is driving them? Because chances are, if you're trying to recruit that rock star individual, it's not just money. It's, it's more like culture. They want to know what your company is doing. What do you stand for? These are things that I have found have been actually our most successful recruitment tools is even, you know, what are you doing that is socially corporate, you know, or what's your corporate social responsibility level? How can you make sure that, that you're seen and that you're active? And instead of spending so much time going out and trying to find people, make yourself more visible as a company. Um, I think, you know, if, if we're dealing with all of us, in, in many ways, I mean, the job shortage in terms of technology jobs, I could not agree more. It's the single thing that holds back every company, especially in the U.S. So all of us are going after the same group. We, we, it's, it is, it's definitely a dog-eat-dog world as far as that goes. So in many ways, we need to look at, you know, how can we, how can we make sure that we are easy to find and that, and, that, and how can we attract them instead of, you know, going on the hunt? And I know that's a little bit of a controversial view, um, but it's been, 
it's been something that has been effective for us. You know, be the type of company that you want to work for and continue to engage in those types of activities. Make it known of the things that, that you're doing for your community and, and continue to be that. And then work as well on attracting the sort of people that, that you want. Develop inroads to yourself as opposed to just, you know, going on those paths that everyone else is treading on. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe some all-girls schools, colleges. I, I totally 100% believe in investing in, in, in employee resources. Um, and there's, you know, if you have, if you have the right attitude, you have the right characteristics and you have a good foundation with an individual, man, they can, you can go a long ways with that person. You don't have to, you don't have to find somebody who's, who has already had 10 years of experience um, to get great value and have a very long-term asset. The point that you made is a very good one, is, is being the company that you would want to work for if you were looking for a job. You know, it's, it's basic uh, quantum physics, or like attracts like. And I think especially with social media today, and your point to this even younger generation, Generation Z, in addition to millennials, they're on social media all the time. You know, so this idea of going to where they are, and obviously it's everybody's on social media, not just boys or not just, you know, computer people, but everybody. So being a really strong and vocal brand presence on social media, I think is, is a great opportunity that I'm not sure that a lot of companies are really taking full advantage of, probably because they're headed by, you know, generation Q or whatever, you know, the, the much older. <laughs> Maybe even A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like Moses or something. But I think that that is really important in this, this issue of the recruiting and, you know, go to where they are, like All Girls School or the Grace Hopper Conference or even Tiaracom, which, you know, is that often uh, paired with Black Hat in Las Vegas every year or, you know, recruit from programs like Girls Who Code or uh, the other one, um, I think it's Black Girls who code, there's women who code. You know, I, I think it's once you got that out of the box thinking, as you mentioned, you can start to actually think where, where is this specific type of talent, whether it's girls or minorities, um, and, and go to where they are and advertise where they are. Uh, I think that's, that's a really important point. Yeah, I totally agree. And so uh, we'll just wrap it up here. Um, you founded a nonprofit organization called Get Paid for Grades, which, by the way, already I'm like, yes, please, I would love to get paid for grades. Uh, um, so to expand the educational opportunities for for young kids, all kids, I'm assuming, not just girls. But how does this organization yeah. help uh, help young people? Uh, so, so basically, we we started this because we found um, that you know there's especially with, with the changing technology and in our industry, we discovered it's not always just about grades. You know, it's, it's about um, passion. It's about competency. It's about work ethic. And there were, and we noticed, you know, in our, our community, there were a lot of um, high school kids that we have a very high dropout rate. And in, in speaking with some of these kids, then it was, it was apparent to me you know, these are not, these are not dense kids. These are actually very intelligent kids. I can tell you because they, they are amazing on video games. They can catch on to Excel in two seconds. Many of them are actually coding in their house 
and they're teenagers that are not finishing high school. Why? And then they're deciding to be destined to be, you know, and no offense, but a manager at Burger King, maybe that is their goal. So the question was, hey, what can we do to, to light a fire under these guys and let them see the true potential that they have and do something about it? And all the scholarship programs really don't speak to, to kids that, that have not gotten good grades from inception, right? So you have a bad year in high school, maybe as your freshman year. At that point, you've written yourself off of any scholarship. In fact, you hear the word and you want to run. You've decided that you're not as good as those kids. You've actually branded yourself as someone totally different. And it's your first year. You have three more years. So now the next year you think, well, you know what? Why try? Who cares about grades? Well, the fact is when you're in high school, this is your job and you need to excel at your job. And to the extent that you're able to do a great job, this is going to help you set a path and set habits. And you're either going to become an asset to your community or you'll end up becoming a liability to one. And so, so our goal was, all right, let's put our heads together and figure out something. What can speak to these kids? You know what works? Cash. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's, come up, let's come up with an idea where we actually say, okay, I have a bet. I think that if I offer you guys $500 in cash and you have to improve your grades, and you need to improve your literacy level. And, and we're going to test you, and you have to improve everything. And you have to improve your attendance. Because I don't think that you can't do it. I, I think that you've actually just given up. Because you've decided that this is not you, and, and you can't do it. And I actually think that with this reward incentive, that we will actually we'll be able to find that setting those new habits to get better grades, come to school, improve your attendance, this is actually going to start to affect you in all of the other areas of your life. And you know what? That happened. So we started the program in, what, I think 2013. And every year, you know, we've added another school and we've had some amazing success stories. Um, in fact, my, my favorite success story, just really quick, it's so funny. So we had, um, this was like the, the second year that we, we ran the program. And and of course, I mean, I also have another incentive, which is, look, maybe I can recruit some great kids to work here. That would be fantastic. And I, I see, I see this, this kid, and he absolutely stood out. I mean, just brilliant. And, and I just, you know, he wasn't applying himself. So he gets through the program. And at first, so we do an interview when we start, and then we do one at the end. And, and his interview at the start, he said, look, he wants to become, his, his life ambition is he wants to become a manager at Burger King. That's what he wants to do for his goal. So, um, so I offered him a job afterwards and, you know, he had now changed his goal. He wants to become this computer programmer and he's going to write games and, you know, all these things. And I offer him a job. I even offered him higher than entry level um, to, to start working at our company as soon as he graduates. You know, he turned me down. <laughs> he oh, turned really? me down because he got two other offers. And oh, I mean, wow. what a great success story. Yeah, it, it's the greatest. It, it was so rewarding to see, you know, here's someone now, he sees the true potential that he has. And for me, I look at, you know, maybe that is one kid. It's, it's never just one kid, though. That's an, that is a generation. 
And if we all can, you know, focus in, it's, it's never just the one number of one statistic scenario. This is someone who has the ability to influence others. And by a little bit of investment or, you know, changing things just a little bit, what can you do to incentivize that individual to make a difference? So, so anyway, that's what the program does. It's been, um, it's been really exciting, really rewarding, and we're still going strong. I love that story. And it, it really is heartwarming because just for somebody to see something in this kid or, or, or all these kids that they don't necessarily see in themselves, and, and just to watch this particular example, watch this kid just blossom, that, that is amazing. And I love that story. Yeah, it, it is. And we've all been there. You know, insecurity or lack of confidence is the worst enemy to us all. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, not, not to bash parents, but oftentimes they don't provide that, um, that window into us because they're just so busy being parents or they have their own stuff going on that they might not be able to do what you and your organization um, have been able to do. And, you know, you just need one person to believe in you when you're a teenager, and that makes all the difference in the world. Totally. So Get Paid for Grades is paidforgrades.org. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, great. So people can go there and learn more about it, um, presumably if you're, you're a kid, but also if you want to be a part of this program, say if you're, you're a school or some kind of organization. Yeah, we, we work with tutors, with teachers, with parents. Um, you know, it really, what we found, it's definitely that classic, you know, it takes a village. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's definitely teamwork. Um, but, you know, it's so rewarding because you realize it's, it's not, it isn't us that's really doing this. The thing is, you know, it's every student, they do have that in them. And it's, it's, you're so right. All of us, just as teenagers, every single one of us can think of someone, some teacher, some influence that, you know, prevented us from going the wrong direction. And, you know, if we can, this is really what the program is designed for. What, what can we do to help? to help redirect some of the energies here to, to realize the true potential. Well, Monica, thank you for what you're doing with, with this organization and just everything. But also, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about this. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much. It has definitely been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.